I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You won't believe who the Bucks kicker talks to for advice and an absolute stunner in soccer. Welcome to the Rick and Tom podcast. Tom Jones, Rick Stroud, Tampa Bay Times. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. We're here every day. You can find us on Twitter at Rick Tom Podcast, at NFL Stroud, at Tom W. Jones. I'm racing through this, Rick, because I can't wait to find out from you who talked <laughs> to Patrick Murray, the new Bucks kicker, exactly who he consults. Um, I, I for I don't know if it's every day or every week. Tell us who, pray tell, this is. Well, I'm going to bury the lead just a bit here. Let's back up because old okay, Pat Murray. Okay. Pat Murray was on a roll today. Um, we love Pat Murray. He's always been one a very likable guy. You know, a guy from Fordham. He takes that very seriously. So in one afternoon, he showed up today and and he basically you know went through a, a ton of different things. Um, first of all, his connection with Vince Lombardi from Fordham, who he quoted liberally today. Um, Winning's so not didn't... the only thing, but... Right. Well, I mean, it wasn't... Yeah. You know, <laughs> kicking's not the only... What the hell are they doing out here? What um, we're looking for is a seam here at a, go- at a goalpost here, and we want that baby in the middle. <laughs> I actually said... Uh, well, you know, there was a pretty famous guy that said something along the lines of, I've never met a man worth his salt that didn't appreciate the grind or something like that. And that man was Vince Lombardi. Having that Fordham connection to him... That why me moment made it, might have creeped in for about five seconds, but then you remember stuff like that, stuff you heard down the line, and my dad coming here and working his butt off to provide for our family, and that why me just kind of goes to the background real quick. And then he, then he talked about, you know, he doesn't believe in the Bucks k- kicking curse, which, ironic, because he's part of it. I mean, he was the guy that tore his ACL in 2015. That brought on Connor Barth, who tore his Achilles, which brought on Lawrence Tynes, who got MRSA, which brought on Roberto Aguayo and Nick Folk, who both went south right away. Got so, to Shanks, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he didn't he didn't believe in that. Um, and then uh, you know he was you know and just recently, I mean, he was actually. I was doing the job hunt. I was back on that, um, trying to put my degree to use, and I was a finance major, so I interviewed at a bunch of financial firms, um, commodities trading. I looked into strike orthopedics. I looked into, and there were actually a couple lined up, but. This one uh, kind of worked out. But he was still kicking three days a week with his dad at uh, Don Bosco Prep. Not Donnie Brasco, but Don Bosco Prep. <laughs> Donnie <in> Brasco? <laughs> it's an <laughs> undercover. Like it. It's an undercover kicking academy. It's yeah. an undercover high school. It's not a real high school. It's it's, <laughs> it's a famous high school, Don Bosco Prep. I think Matt Sims went there, as a matter of fact, in New Jersey. And uh, so he went through all this, all this stuff, you know, and then he kind of he sort of buried the lead because we're talking to him now. He's he's very Irish Catholic, as you know. Um, and yeah, played Gaelic football and all this Gaelic stuff, Gaelic right? football, yeah, right. So, you know, he's talking to us, and, we're, and, and the word, you know, got on to sort of like, you know, sports psychologist. He says he doesn't really use one. He knows guys that do, of course. He says, no, actually... To be honest with you, I've actually been speaking with uh, a medium. He's been consulting a fortune teller. A medium. Yeah, you know what a medium is, right? Yes. Not a small, not show. a large, but a medium. I saw the, yeah, the medium. I saw, I saw the show. Patricia right. Arquette, right? Yeah. The, exactly. So, you know, someone who has a connection with the dead, which would describe the Bucks kicking game. But that aside, um, he says... I was going to say, she's, how appropriate. You're right. She's helped me tremendously. Yeah, do a lot of different things. And maybe uh-huh. just getting me to talk uh-huh. has helped me get stuff off my chest and being able to really kind of feel that positive energy. There are things that she has mentioned that I have told nobody. And there are things that she has mentioned will happen that have happened. It's um, just validation for me. And maybe it is speaking about my feelings and then having her respond, getting into a dialogue and then having something validated that allows me to feel the way that I feel. And maybe that's just all I needed. But she's, she's Irish Catholic. She goes to his gym. And they, they started, got a dialogue going, and, and he says that, you know, it's just uh, just really helping. So I got to thinking, 
maybe this woman could be like in a coaching booth and she can tell Dirk Cutter whether he's going to make the field goal or not so he wouldn't try it. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you're that good. Right. Um, but interesting cat, man. I mean, he just, he's all over the he's, place. No, right? he's serious about it. You're not making this oh, up. Oh, no, I'm not he making really this up. Talk, he, he, he really talks actually, to a medium. He's being helped by a medium. Yeah. Right. She talks to the dead. She, uh, that's well, she has a anyway. connection with the dead. I don't know if she talks what does that to mean? them. But, but, well. <laughs> I see dead people. <laughs> what do you mean, what does it mean? Don't, do mean give away the sixth, don't give away the ending of The Sixth Sense again. Because you did this yeah. once on radio. Yeah, Bruce Willis. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Hey, but you said he, that he has, I just think that's a funny phrase. Like, he has a, she has a connection. It's like, hey, can you get me tickets to a lightning game? Yeah, I got a connection over there. Like, I know, I know a, a connection with the. I know somebody. I know this guy is dead. But yeah. That is the I don't, craziest. I don't mean to make light of it because he was very serious and he was. Very, I'm making like, light of it because you're now telling me this is the guy whose fortunes the Bucks now rely upon. Well, to, at least she knows. Their, at least she knows their good fortunes. Maybe. I mean, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be here. It was bad um, enough that they had Aguayo in there, and then it was bad enough that Nick Folk can't do anything. Now we're gonna get the guy talking to dead people. I well, see maybe. dead people. Then he's gonna be the kicker. Okay, and problem solved now. Okay, Bucks are all set at kicker. Look, if she's, if she's that good, then she knows what you know his percentage will be the rest of the year. Maybe I she guess. can let their cutter. I think things are going well so far with the new kicker. <laughs> he hey, he said in the workout that he made a fifty-nine yarder. Fifty-nine in real in, in real life or was no, this yeah, no, was, yeah, no, dream it. No, one in a crystal. We didn't see it in, a, in like a Ouija board. He like he actually made a fifty-nine yard kick in in uh, in the workouts, which I'm sure it was like. Really impressed. Now, I don't know how many missed from fifty nine, but right. he did make one. So, how how comfortable do you think, though, Rick, moving forward, they are now that they have their kicking problem somewhat solved? Well, it's not. Look, is it solved? He hasn't been out there yet, right? I right. Mean, there you go. Yeah. But again, this was a guy that was twenty of twenty four, um, which is eighty three percent. You know, he had the one year that he kicked the whole season, which was for the Bucks his rookie year. He was pretty darn good, and he, you know, he tore the ACL. He came. He said he told us that he says I'm a better man, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, clearly, um, yeah, obviously. and absolutely, I'm a better kicker as well. So, uh, and and he and he really he's embracing this opportunity. He feels so, you know, sort of blessed. His, his you know his career's kind of come full circle. I mean, imagine a guy if you will um, up in New Jersey, and he and he's actually thinking, you know, maybe it's time to move on. You know, maybe I should, uh, you know, put my education to use. And he was a finance major. And then he said, truthfully, I think every athlete, there comes a point in time where, you know, okay, I need to transition. And I sought out the advice of a lot of different people. I had the, actually the opportunity to speak with Roy Keane and Martin O'Neill. Um, and Ireland beat Wales yesterday, one nil. So you have to throw that out there as well. Uh, but I had the opportunity to speak with them a long, a couple months ago when they were in New Jersey. And they kind of helped me through that process to try and do this for as long as you can because you really don't get that many opportunities to pursue your dream and play sports for a living. Um, so I definitely wasn't at that point where I needed to transition, and I'm glad that this all worked out. Him and his dad, every day at 1 o'clock, uh, not every day, Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays at 1 o'clock, would go to the high school before the last period, kick for an hour, and um, you know, and then, and then shut it down. And, and they kept doing this even though the phone never rang. And then when it finally did ring, you know, this weekend, of all teams, it was a Buccaneers, and he just feels like, you know, this is this was meant to happen. You wonder when a guy sits around like that, waiting for the phone call, if he's watching NFL games, and there's got to be some sort of fraternity where you basically you understand what every kicker in the league's going through, and deep right. down, you you almost sympathize with him. But at the same time, you got to be sitting there thinking, oh, hey, this miss is it. Nick miss Folk, Mister Couple, <laughs> and then he watches the next game against New England. Yeah, you're like, hey, on, hey you're waiting for the eight one three area code to pop up on your yeah. phone just because. Sure yeah, I are. mean, it, it's got to be the most bizarre thing where deep down he feels bad for sick for Nick Folk, but at the same yeah. time, it's like, hey, you got a job now. Well, it's, look, it's I'm like not saying I'm not saying the guy at the at the funeral home is rooting for people to die, but it does help business. Right. Yeah. I mean, let's let's be honest. So, um, yeah, he he was aware and he said that actually, you know, because because he was popular when he was here, that Bucks fans who follow him on Twitter were aware as well. You know, you hear about it. That's for sure. Um, it's hard not to. Uh, Bucks fans were certainly reaching out. Um, 
I love those fans. I love being back here, so I can't wait to go play for them. And they were tweeting him things, and, you know, he's <laughs> he's got, like, seriously, he's, he's kept a sort of a relationship with a lot of fans on social media. So they were they were like, hey, man, you know, hope, hope they call you, you know, kind of thing. And sure enough, they did. And, um, you know, Dirk Cutter, you know, met him when he came in and said, hey, looking forward to seeing your work. And, and I, I think the comfort level – you know, because I mean, they've been through this. Dirk was the offensive coordinator in Lovey's first year when, when Pat was the was the kicker. So if you had a good experience with a guy, you know, and he hasn't right. done anything short of getting hurt to really make you think, you know, that he can't do it. And you right. know, he was in camp for I think a week or so with the New Orleans Saints and and got released really the same week as Aguayo. But man, to not have that phone ring and still be out there three days a week, you know, working on your craft and, and while you're thinking. Well, maybe I should move on with life, you know? Right. And, right. Then, and then here you are, you find yourself, you're going to go to Arizona and kick on Sunday. I mean, what a, you know, what an opportunity. Jerk Cutter has, uh, you said, he mentioned he, he's comfortable with Pat Murray until, until he hears the story about him talking to dead people. And then, <laughs> no, he I, didn't talk to dead people. Oh, he knows he, a guy that talks to, knows a woman that talks to dead people. It's a woman. And, and you're making such light of this, but it was spoken in such serious, like he was, he was talking about how he doesn't use a sports psychologist, but this woman has really helped him just communicate because he doesn't open up to many people. You know, a lot of these kickers, Tom, they don't put the lampshade on their head and march around. I mean, they're very stoic. You know, they're very, like, introspective. Right. I mean, you can feel the tension, right? Because you're sort of out there, you know, with nitro every every attempt. And, you know, and he said, he goes, look, I, there's pressure on everybody. I mean, you don't think Jameis Winston or Gerald McCoy has pressure? You know, it's a pressure business. If you're if you're not if you don't dig that, you shouldn't you shouldn't be in the game, babe. So no, you know. it's but you're absolutely right. As a kicker, you have maybe four opportunities a game, five opportunities a game, and you yeah. have to be perfect. You almost have to be perfect. Whereas or damn close to it, yeah. Jameis Winston, Donovan Smith could give up a sack every week. Well, not every week, but he could give up one <laughs> that every other week. Good. Yeah, or he get called for holding a couple of times uh, yeah. every every month. And people might not be happy with him. He's not going to lose his job. Right. You, you miss you miss two field goals in a game, and you lose that game by two points. You're going to look start at looking you over funny. your shoulder. Yeah, yeah, you don't have you don't have to look over your shoulder because everybody's looking at you. You know, right, um, right. In the eyeballs, funny. And so, you know, you're part of the team, and yet we talked about this how they're specialists. But you know, the other good thing is that this isn't a guy coming in there that nobody knows. I mean, there's a lot of players. I don't say a lot of players, but there's some players <laughs> that he still remembers that are on the team that, you know, and other guys were coming up and, and saying hello to him. So right, he's a right. great guy. He, he's He's been very good when he's been healthy. He says that his, you know, his knee is as sound as it can be. It was his, you know, it was his plant leg. It's not his kicking leg, but none, nonetheless, he's gotten through all his injury problems. And let's face it, he kind of knows what the future is. I guess so. Of all I and know he had a smile Bucks- on his face. The Bucks, the Bucks have they have kicking problems, and they bring in a guy who knows somebody who talks to dead people, and he has a history of leg problems. We're all set. Good job. All right, here we go. Moving on to Arizona. Uh, I don't, I just think that says this could have disaster written all over it again. You know what? I get a bad feeling about Arizona. I, I don't know why. I think the state the Bucks, or the game. Well, every, little of everything, but the game. Very hot. The game. The game. There's something about this game that feels like. It's uh, – I don't know if it was what happened last year where the Bucks went out there and got creamed. Or, or I'm basing it on the way sort of things sort of fell apart in the New England game and, and they didn't win that. But I just get this sense that they could be in trouble on Sunday. I don't know yeah. why. Well, I think, it's, I think it's the nature of the NFL. You know, um, I think yeah, it, last, is a week, memory, it is a week-to-week yeah. league. And – when you lose, you know, you can you can paint a scenario where they're not going to win again. And when you win, just, you know, the Super Bowl is possible. But I'll say this about this is not the Arizona team they faced last year in many ways. And, oh, by the way, I mean, you know, when they lost David Johnson, that that was three-fourths of their offense, right? I mean, that that's your number one fantasy player. <laughs> right. And so everybody that had high draft picks knows what I'm talking about. But, you know – it's the oldest team in the National Football League. Start there. Yeah. And they now have brought in or are bringing in, they traded for today, Adrian Peterson. 
Oh, I so, thought you meant like they're the oldest team in in the league. Like they are. No, no, like like they, they've been in the league longer than every other team. Oh I no, know. no, no. <laughs> I didn't. No, I'm I, like, what does that have to do with anything? I, I was think, like, I thought the I thought the Chicago Bears were the oldest. Them <laughs> and the right. Packers. Papa Bear, Hallis, and the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. No, no, no. No, they're no, the no. oldest, longest in. They're two, the oldest but, yeah, team. Their, their players did, are the oldest in the league. Did I stutter? No, no, you got it. You had it totally right. I was. I was They're the oldest team in the league. Still talking to dead people here. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Come on, Bruce Willis. Stay with me. Um, <laughs> but, so no. Uh, so the, so they're old. They're an, who's they're the name the of the little kid the that played? Is it Osment? What was his name? Haley Joe. Haley, Haley Joe. Osment, Haley Joe Osment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have so, you seen him lately? By the way, he's not little anymore. He's a big fella. No? Well, he yeah. should be. It's like twenty years ago. Well, yeah, no, but I mean, he's, he'd be he's, damn near thirty something. You wouldn't recognize him. It's but he's. Uh, he he's, he was in that Entourage movie a couple of years. But any, anyway, moving on, getting back to the <laughs> the oldest team in the National Football. So they're League. The, they're the, they have the oldest players in the National Football League, and right. starting with Carson Palmer and working down. But now they just added another one in Adrian Peterson, whom the Bucks face the potential of facing twice a year with New Orleans. Peterson, you may you know I don't know what your favorite Adrian Peterson moment was with the Saints in his career. Yeah, right. Mine was when he glared at Sean Payton. In that famous meme now that's that's everywhere. Like, you ain't going to run me more than nine times, dude? So now he's going to play, and I think he will play. And the other under running back they had out there was Chris Johnson, which he's also 105 years old. So they're, they're wait, facing wait, it. Emmett Smith, Emmett Smith next up on the floor. Emmett Smith. Well, I, you know, it's funny because I covered Emmett Smith's last game um, with the Cardinals. The Bucks played him. That year, right. it was the final game of the season. So the, you know, it, it's it's not a it, to say it's not a good Cardinals team is not as good as last year's Cardinals team. And you know, uh, look, it, they're second in the league in number of sacks they've given up. Carson Palmer can't get out of anybody's way. Um, you know, they got throttled by Philadelphia, which is a good team, and it was on the road, thirty-four to seven. But you know, and, yeah, and when that, you play, yeah, you're right. That game wasn't competitive at all. But at when it's all. week to week, you know, they. I remember last year they got. I think they got hammered by the Patriots or something in the first week, and then came back and just you know, one forty to seven over the Bucks. I think if you if if you take a healthy Doug Martin, which they haven't had, and it's his second full game, this is where he got hurt. You know, um, right? There's, there's a lot of factors with that, and they're a little more identity on offense, and then they might get some guys back on defense too. So. They really, I mean, if you can't, if you're going to win any games on the road this year, you can look at the schedule, you know, and they were five and three on the road last year. This is one they should get and they almost need to get because Carolina's four and one, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the the Falcons have lost one game. You're tied for last place right now with the Saints. So you, you can't, you know, you can't afford to fall too far behind before you start playing everybody in the division. It's so weird. I was watching the Dallas Green Bay game on Sunday and we're only a quarter of the way through the season. So much can happen. There's 12 games left on on the Bucks schedule and 11 games left for pretty much everybody else. But you uh, you you watch this game. I was watching this game on Sunday, and I started immediately thinking, what should the Bucks hope for in this game? It's crazy to think that in October. But yep. I was sitting there thinking, the Bucks should probably hope that Green Bay wins this game because Philadelphia's established themselves in the NFC East, and Dallas might end up being sort of a wild card type team. Mm-hmm. And the Bucks have fallen so far behind the the uh, the Falcons and the Panthers that they might be a wild card team. I, I know it's too early probably to be thinking those sort of things, but that's what happens in this league when you start looking around. And and st- a quarter of the season's almost enough to establish sort of who's pretty decent and who's not. And I'm starting to see teams like. Yeah, as you mentioned, Carolina. Carolina surprised me. They're they look like they're going to be a pretty good football team, and and Philadelphia looks like they're going to be a, a pretty good football team. And and I realize it's a week to week league, but all, it does feel like this this game's really important uh, because you don't want to fall another game behind. You'll be two games, maybe three games behind by the end of the weekend. That's that's a lot. No, two games behind. It's still it's it's a long way to be um, to climb out of that hole if you fall. You know, four or five games out of first place midway through the season. I tell you what, man, it's a deep, <laughs> dark place. You know what I mean? It's a deep. You gotta, you gotta get a ladder to climb out of that place. That's a hole. That's all I'm saying. Speaking of holes, and we'll talk more about Arizona and the Bucks as they get ready for the game on Sunday uh, later on in the week. I can't wait Rick, for this, this transition. Speaking of holes, 
Go. This is a stunner. <laughs> this is an absolute stunner. I'm not even a big soccer guy. I'm an okay soccer guy. Here's what I like about soccer. I like, I'll like. i get up every now and then on Saturday mornings when there's nothing else on. It's 7.30 or 8 o'clock in the morning, and I'll put on English Premier League. I'll turn on NBC, SN, and then... I look because NBC does a great job with the English Premier League, so I watch that. My and my my kids are into the English Premier League, but the other thing that we all get into, most I think we'd agree that that soccer is a niche sport in the United States. But every four years, everybody jumps on the bandwagon and we get jacked up for World Cup. It's the one time where everybody sits down. Remember a couple? I remember three years ago going to a bar in St. Pete watching the United States play in the world cup and everybody was all excited and it was, it was a real thrill to get to really get jacked up for that month of world cup. Well, I got news for you. It's not going to happen in 2018. The United States out of the world cup. What? They lose, they lose to Trinidad and Tobago and Iceland's in Iceland with a population of what? 75 people. Iceland is in Yeah, Iceland is in said they got 75 people on the, on the whole country. They're in. Not to mention, it's States. frozen ground. They're it's, playing on ice. Exactly. I mean, it's Iceland. Rick, how big of a deal is this that the United States is is not even qualified for the World Cup in 2018? Well, I'm again, I'm not a a uh, you know football or soccer aficionado like some people are, like our good friend Derek Sharp was or is. Yes. Um, however, however, let me say this: this is being talked about as one of the biggest sports national embarrassments in U.S. history. And maybe that's overstating things a bit, but it's been since 1986. You realize how many people weren't alive the last time this team didn't go to a World Cup or didn't qualify for one? And all they had to do was tie. They just needed a tie, right? And they lost to Trinidad and Tobago, which I think is unfair. They had to play both of them at the same time. (laughs) I mean, we really get right down to it. Um, Exactly. You know, pick one, Trinidad. I think they lost to Trinidad and and uh, and beat Tobago. But in any case, it was two to one. And um, so, yeah, uh, boy, uh, Bruce Arena. I mean, that how'd that work out for you? I mean, Jurgen Klinsmann. Would he? You know, Jurgen still, Klinsmann should, somewhere over there having a a beer. You know, in Germany. It's or something. It's, it's unbelievable when I think about this, Rick. We we keep thinking that the United States is close, and they go out and they hire people like Jurgen Klinsmann to turn this thing around. And it looked like it was it was moving in that direction for a while, and then uh, and I I don't know if they fired him too quickly, you know, or um or or just what has happened to USA Soccer. But Rick, we should we were thinking by 2018 that qualifying would be a no brainer. Now we're starting to we were starting to figure out a few years ago. Okay, what does the United States have to do to sort of get into the to the knockout stage yeah, of right. World Cup? What do they have to do to survive the early round? And now we're talking about going back to square one again, where you're not even qualified for yeah. World Cup. It's a major embarrassment, it and is. I don't know, Rick, if it's ever going to. I don't. I don't know if this sets it back. I don't know if it it reinvigorates or we we reassess how we're doing things. I just. I think we're at a point now that well, you let throw me up let your me hands. just let me stop you there because I don't know enough to. So I'm going to ask a very stupid, you know, non soccer, uh, probably smart question. What else can they do? What do you mean we don't know? Like when you say we have to reassess how we're doing things, what does that mean exactly? Does that mean you should go with younger guys? Does that mean the way the way uh, club soccer is handled in the U.S.? Because all I know is when I was a young young kid and the, the Tampa Bay Rowdies were like the only professional sport in town, right? I'm going way back. Mm-hmm. Um, they were talking then about how soccer was going to be the rage and pretty soon the United States would dominate you know, on the world stage or at least compete. Hasn't happened. No. Right? Hasn't happened. So I'm just like, I don't know what it means to say, I reevaluate this. I mean, obviously for USA Soccer, this is a terrible thing. And for Fox Sports, we spent oh my gosh, $100 million to, for the English broadcast rights of the World Cup. And they'll now be like running promos of Mexico here soon. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. What's Trump going to say about this, by the way? They're disrespecting the flag. Get rid of Losers. them. Losers. Here's the thing, Rick, when you're talking about USA soccer, and I understand that 
we, we try to make excuses. It's not as important as it is in other places in the world. That's that's absolutely true. It's not as a, a big a deal here as it is in no. most of Europe. What do our best athletes soccer. play? And, and that's the okay, Everybody says that. Okay, we all our best athletes play other sports such as football, such as basketball. Uh, but at the same time, you're telling me we can't come up with 20 guys? 20 out of a country this big? Not Not everybody. Is playing, and here's the thing: I'm not, I'm they not don't have to, to be. I don't even know that they have to be born here necessarily, right? I mean, like we can find a way to make them U.S. soccer players, can't we? If they're from somewhere else, yeah, that's true. Aren't there some rules that we can I just, kind of fudge a little bit? <laughs> we do everything. Well, there's a, there's a theory out there that with Russia's with uh, Trump's connection to Russia, that perhaps <laughs> this thing's not over well, yet. We still might yeah, get in sorry. there. A recount, yeah. It's possible they haven't they haven't uh, done Wisconsin yet. Um, I I don't know. I I just think that um, for me and for many people like me that do exactly what you said, we really get into it every four years. And right. I think the last time I went to a sports bar to do anything besides drink um, was during the U.S. Soccer, you know, the last World Cup um, when they were mm-hmm. playing. So you know because. During the World Cup, you all belong to one team, right? You're all chanting USA, sure. and it's a national pride thing. And 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 you do. You kind of have this this kind of hope that well, maybe they can make it this year. Maybe they get to you know win there. So this is going to be awfully, you know, not popular to watch. I would guess in the United States. I mean, I know there's a ton of hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Soccer fans, I'm not. I'm not shirking that. I'm not. I'm not pretending that just because the U.S. isn't in it that people aren't going to be interested. But they're not going to be. You're not going to captivate the person who is just a casual fan that might get turned on to it because of the World Cup. The World Cup is an enormous um, marketing tool, I would think, for U.S. soccer. It is. It absolutely is. And uh, and when you ask the question, okay, what does that mean to to, to start over reassess right. you're right I, I i mean i'm that's what we all say and i don't know maybe there isn't the outrage among we're, we're outraged now you know I mean, you and i are like what the hell's going on with you <laughs> and then tomorrow we're back to like what time's the cubs game on but right. it's it's uh i mean clearly though things of a country this big that dedicates as much resource as they do to soccer and to yeah. never really make an impact on the world not truly make an impact on the world stage it's uh, it's just not I that hard know, maybe- to qualify, right? I mean, if you're if you're a nation of, of as many people as we have, I mean, look how right. small some of these countries. I realize maybe they that's their national sport, and you know, but Trinidad and Tobago, you can't. I mean, you can't you tie say, them, yeah. you know. No, it's something disappointing. Disappointing day. I, I mentioned the Cubs just a second ago, Rick. I don't know if you've seen this. Now the uh, the Cubs game got rained out on Tuesday, playing the Washington Nationals. That was supposed to be Game Four. Cubs up two games to one. Steven Strasburg not scheduled to pitch. Okay, he was ready to go for a Game Five if there was going to be a Game Five. Well, the rain out now pushes everything back a day. So now Steven Strasburg would be on regular rest, available on Wednesday to pitch in a Game Four. But he's under the weather, according to Dusty Baker. And then they're going to go now with Tanner Rourke. Your season's on the line with Tanner Rourke, who's making, I believe, his second ever postseason start. I don't know how sick Steven Strasburg is. He better be He better be in bed with the flu and IVs in his arms and not being able to get away from, uh, from a toilet if he's not going to be out there. I just can't believe, Rick, your season's on the line. You're Steven Strasburg. You're the ace. You're the guy that they, the stopper, the most important pitcher in the history of your franchise, number one pick, all this, and you're not going to go out there for game four because you're a little bit under the weather? I find this hard to believe. Yeah, I I don't get it. I mean, Dusty Baker said it didn't work out for Strauss, you know, um, for his bullpen day, and we're all creatures of habit, and, you know, would have been better if he could have gone out. I, I, it just 
it's weird, especially when you remember how Strasburg started this whole thing. Remember when he had that great, was it his rookie year? I don't know what year it was early in his career, and, and they basically shut him down, remember? Um, he wasn't going to pitch in the postseason, and now he's under the weather. I don't know what under the weather means, um, but, man, Dusty Baker was spinning like a top. He says, a lot of my team is under the weather with the change of the weather and the air conditioning in the hotel and the air conditioning here. <laughs> what? Dude, when was the last time you talked about air conditioning causing symptoms like that? Really? Right. They got thermostats, right? You're not staying at the Motel 8, you know, off the highway in, you know, somewhere Indiana. I mean, what does that mean, the air conditioning? Oh, it's, yeah, know, it's, it's the air conditioning. He slept too close to the air conditioning last night, and he has a sore arm. I mean, that's what we used to say during Legion Ball, you know? Right, right. I mean, these are professional athletes. I mean, you you get you're getting a gift. You he the, also the, listen to this not, just to continue on with this thought. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dusty Baker, it's just this time of year for mold around Chicago. I think it's mold. I mean, I have it too. <laughs> what what is going on with the lizard man? Can you can you come up with? You know, I think it's I think it's uh, I don't know. It's the it's the damn pollen. You know. It's the mold it's the, in Chicago. It's funny. All the all the Cubs are ready to go. They they actually live in Chicago. They live there. I guess well, they're immune to they're it. They're accustomed, accustomed to their. They're accustomed to the mold. I've gone across accustomed to your mold. Yes, Rick, you get an absolute. You get an absolute gift. You have an absolute gift. You sit around dreaming of things like, please let it rain. Please let it rain today, so that oh, yeah. I can save, oh. so I can get my best pitcher to pitch in a game. Now you could make the argument since they're down two games to one, they're gonna have to win the next two games anyway. So it doesn't matter which order it's in. Well, you ain't gonna get the game. You ain't gonna get to game five if you don't win this one. Well, that's the thing. Uh, we talked about this. You we were, when we've talked about you playing in baseball tournaments. I played in tournaments as a little kid. It's the same theory. You got to win today. And then you yeah. worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Absolutely. Because now every it's Johnny Holstein, Johnny Holstein which is in a game baby. five. Yeah. And for both teams, all of a sudden, yeah. now the pressure's on the other team, too, to yeah. suddenly pull out all the stops to try to win a game. I, I, it's just, the I, I don't think the Nationals are going to win anyway. I didn't believe they're, that they were going to uh, beat the Cubs. But I'm just well, stunned yeah. by this entire story. This could have been an edge. I mean, he he threw, what, six score, six, six hitless innings the first time? Now, maybe we'll be shocked, Rick. Maybe he'll come out there if uh, Rourke struggles in the first few innings. And, and may, who knows? Maybe Strasburg will pull a Madison Bumgarner and come out of the out of the bullpen or David Price and, and pitch into third or fourth inning come Wednesday. But uh, it's, a, it's a bad look. It's a bad look. And that's the thing. It's, you know, a few years ago, remember with Scotty Pippen, Missed game seven. I, I've had migraines in my life, and I can understand how sick he is. But under the weather, I'd stop, I would I would go to Dusty and say, hey, Dusty, make it sound worse than under the weather. Under the weather feels like, hey, how you doing, man? Ah, a little under the weather. I'm all right. Make but, it sound you know, make worse it- than, I think it's the air conditioners. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's probably the mold in the air conditioners. That's what I think. Uh, I got it, too. Are you kidding me? It's awful. Mold in the air I am not amused. I'm a lizard. Hey, Rick, before we go, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's, why do you call him the lizard? Is that what it, have you ever seen him with a toothpick? Oh, okay. That's what yeah, Rome used go. to call him. The lizard? Does that thing with his tongue because he's got that toothpick in his mouth? <laughs> What's the top, what does the roof of Dusty Baker's mouth look like at this point? Is it a oh, pincushion? Like, that's a lot of toothpicks, man, that dude's chewed. Yeah. Who's always got the UL, remember UL, UL Washington used to, he used to play with a toothpick in his mouth. For the Kansas City, he Royals. played shortstop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rick just and he, and he swung a he swung a bat that was like basically a toothpick too, because the guy couldn't hit <laughs> at all. Um, to turn just a little bit serious before we go today, Rick, I, I just want to get your. I don't know how, how much you want to weigh in on this. A lot of controversy. Oh, please, I'll do an hour on it. Go ahead. Uh, Jer- on Jerry Jones, and I, I go back and forth on this, Rick. It, it, now, just to set it up, Jerry Jones, of course, owner of the of Dallas Cowboys, perhaps the most powerful owner. Not only in the National Football League, but but in all of sports, and uh, lives in a very conservative state. And I, there's no doubt in my mind that Jerry Jones is about two things: he's about money, and I do believe he's and about the Dallas country. Cowboys. And America's I think he's team. about about his country. It, and there you go; you just said it too. They're America's team. So just to set it up, what had happened? Of course, we had the, the national anthem protests by various players around the league, and then 
Donald Trump came out and said what he said about players uh, and sort of reinvigorated many of the players to start protesting again. And then everybody wanted to show a sign of unity. And there I still see this photo of Jerry Jones kneeling with his players, arms interlocked before the national anthem. And it was his way of showing solidarity. I'm with the players. And then all the players stood up during the national anthem. Well, now Ricky has come out and basically said, look, if you're going to play for me, you're going to stand for the national anthem. And if you don't, then you're not going to play. And of course he's received great praise, but not only from many Cowboys fans, but also from the president himself, who's saying that, that he agrees with Jerry Jones. How do, how do you look at Jerry Jones out of, out of all this? Your, your, your thoughts in terms of, does he have the right to say this? Should he have said it? Do you believe, do you think he's a fraud? Do you think he's sincere? How do you sort of look at Jerry Jones out of all this? Well, I mean, a lot like their other owners, quite frankly, because what's going to happen is they're having a, an owner's meeting in New York in the next couple of days, and they're going to unilaterally adopt a policy that will essentially mandate all players stand for the national anthem, and if you don't, you, you possibly could be fined or punished. Um, and the reason they're doing that is they're protecting their business. I mean, I don't care what side you come down on on this issue, right? The side that polls better than the other side is the side that says you stand for the national anthem, period, right? right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's always was going to be the case. And yet, um, you know, when when uh, Donald Trump, you know, called you know, 75, 80 percent of the league's black players, essentially they're, they're African-American players, SOBs, then all of a sudden it became very personal and, and you, you know, you had not seen that many protests before that, but then, you know, then there was a bunch of people, including most of the San Francisco 49ers. And we can get into the Mike Pence thing and all that over the weekend with, with the Colts. But I just think that at this point, um, and Roger Goodell said this in a letter that he sent to all the teams, they've got to find a way to move past this, this issue. This is, this could potentially hurt their business. This is about dollars. They can say it's about patriotism and somehow, the whole protest thing, which was really supposed to be about racial injustice, at least when Colin Kaepernick started it, then became about the commissioner, and then and then that became about the flag and the military, which it was never intended to be, and yet that was the protest. So, you know, we're beyond the First Amendment rights. We're beyond everything now. It's about protecting, you know, Roger Dell says protect the shield. Well, you know, he's protecting the dollars and cents. And in a weird way, the, the players are part of that because – you know, they share in 40-something percent, almost 40, almost 50 percent of the designated gross revenues. I mean, this is a this is a business that has a partner called the NFL Players Association. And so, you know, I think I would imagine there are a lot of players that are like, good, take this out of our hands. We don't want to have we just, you know, it'd be easy because if I kneel, then I'm this. If I don't kneel, then I'm that. Just, you know, let's make it universal. And, and, and you know, Goodell's trying to find a way to maybe have a week where they can, you know, celebrate or or somehow call attention to their causes, you know, beyond uh, these demonstrations and maybe have a day or whatever. So it's just, it's it's become about what it usually becomes about, which is dollars, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And and they just can't afford, they can't afford the optics anymore of, of players, uh, you know, not saluting the flag. This is a very divisive issue, Rick. There are definitely two sides. There are the people, as you so well put just a few moments ago, that there are players who are kneeling because they believe there's racial injustice in this country, and there are people on the other side who think those players are disrespecting the flag. And no, no matter how much one side says it's not about the military, the other side will, will say it's about the military, and as much as one side has, says it's nothing to do with the flag, the other side will always see that as being disrespectful to the flag. To me, there's only one solution, Rick, and that is, well, there's one of two solutions. One, play the national anthem before the team needs to even come out, which is the way it used to be. No, don't just have the players in the locker room during the national anthem. The other thing, and I know this, people are going to probably freak out about this possible suggestion. I don't understand why we played the national anthem before sporting events. It's a weird custom to me. We don't do it really anywhere else. I go to a, I go to see Bruce Springsteen in concert. We don't play the national anthem before. I go out to dinner. We don't play the national anthem before. I go to a movie. We don't play the national anthem before a game. I just you know think when it's they used to play the a bizarre you, custom. You know when they used to play the national anthem? Again, dating myself, I was very young at the yeah. time. Before the TVs would go off at 2 o'clock in the morning, you'd get the little yeah. color bars. You right, know, yeah, that's exactly. how I knew to go out to the couch <laughs> 
shove my dad and say, hey, man, (laughs) what's going on here? You know, the TV's got to go off. We got color bars. We got the national anthem. It's over. Go to bed. Turn the lights off. Let's go. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, people don't remember that because they're not nearly as as, uh, old as as I am. I remember that. Yeah, no. but, But that... You know, so it is. It is strange. I I think that I think this is that, and, and there's a lot of talk about well, the, you know, the NFL got paid and they said they didn't get paid, and um, but sports in general, I mean, is supposed to be a unifying place, right? Mm-hmm. It's where you go to sort of, you know, whether you're Republican, Democrat, whatever, you know, you're you're rooting for the Bucks or you're rooting for the Giants or you're rooting for the Cowboys right. or against the Cowboys, whatever. And so black, white, you know, Latino it doesn't matter. You know, if you're wearing the colors of your team, then that's, you know, you're all one. And then, you know, just to play off of that and the optics to to improve your league, it became, well, we're all one. We're all Americans, you know. So mm-hmm. maybe we should maybe we should all stand up in pride. And I don't know. Did this begin with hockey when they were playing Canada teams. I, I don't really know. But I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, just, I don't know the origin the of sports and the national anthem, but I can see why, like in a league like the NFL, I mean, they they go out of their way. They have a military appreciation day, you know. Sure. USSA is one of the largest, uh, you know, charitable arms in the country, right. uh, and you know the the National Football League is is very much tied to them. So, it's you know it's it's served a purpose. Um, it, it helped their brand. You know what's what's more American than the national anthem, apple pie, and baseball? But right. You know now it's become divisive, and they have to find a way. You know, to stop dividing their fans because that's not what the business of sport is about, and it can't survive it. It can't survive it. And my feeling on this is, I have a very definite opinion, and people will disagree with it. I feel like the players protesting is it has as much to do with the military as Rosa Parks' protest protest had to do with public transportation, which yep. is nothing at all. Mm. But. No matter how much I talk about, no matter how, as you mentioned, no matter how much we talk about freedom of speech and all that, there are some people, many people, half the people, more than half the people probably, who just will never see it that way. No, we're never going to come together on this ever, ever, ever. People are shouting past one another. Nobody right. wants to hear about what the protests are about. The other side doesn't want to hear about whether or not it's about the flag or the military. The only way to solve this problem, Rick, and it is a problem is to make it go away, to make it disappear. And the only way to do that is to stop playing the National Anthem or else play it before the teams come out. And I think that is the only solution. Well, that's not going to happen. They're going to play the National Anthem and they're going to mandate the players stand there uh, and, you know... Don't you have a problem with that deep down? Like, we're, we're, we're forcing our politics on the players. Like, you must stand for a National Anthem. That's a, somebody used a word today, Stephen A. Smith used a word. He said, that feels very... Uh, plantation uh, to, to him nah, that you're going to do, do things you're going to do don't things don't do that no I am going to do that I think this is a situation Rick, where Jerry Jones is in is using his politics to force me to do something that I don't want to do well Jerry Jones is also an employer and I mean it'd be weird to go to the Tampa Bay Times or someplace and you're about to say you have to stand for the national anthem before we have our, big, our business meeting but I'll tell you what, if you wanted to work there and that was their policy, you might have to do it. Um, I, I, I just, I, I, I think that's such a played in, in my mind. And I, I think it, really what I think it does is trivialize the struggle that, that did exist with plantation owners in the South. This is not the same thing. But I will say this about, about you know, because I've had this, this discussion with, with many friends of mine that they feel, as you've just, just said, you know, there's no way I, I you know, that they ever think that this is right. And right. in fact, and in fact, on many levels, it's not right, which is why the league is trying to get past it. But however, protest, peaceful protest in this country has rarely been comfortable. The idea is, is to make others uncomfortable, right. right? It's to draw attention by making somebody so mad and so uncomfortable as to have to be forced to deal with what's in front of them. Right. And in this situation, where it began, what began as a discussion or at least a protest about about you know racial injustice in particular, but other things as well. Um, but certainly with all the motors we've seen, you know, shot in cold blood on TV, all those things, and and it's now been conflated into an anti-American, anti-flag thing, and so it's lost. It's it's sort of lost its purpose anyway. 
Right. Um, and let me you know, ask you this: just why it's gone? Do you honestly believe that Jerry Jones, if Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, and those guys will never do it? Quite frankly, because Ezekiel Elliott's got his issues of his own right now. He's dealing with, and Dak Prescott, I think, is too young to. Uh, and, and still trying to prove himself in the league that he wouldn't do it. But are you telling me that if Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott and three or four other Dallas Cowboys kneeled for the national anthem, that Jerry Jones would not play them, would absolutely make bench them? I can't imagine he would do that. I'd sure might, love to see might, that. I'd love to see that challenge. I'd love to see that challenge, but I, it won't be challenged. And um, Would the National Football League, do you ever see a scenario in which – the entire league would say, we're going to sit down for a week. We're not going to play this week because of this. What? If if they forced players to stand for the You mean that if the players went out? The players organized and said, Like the NFLPA said, that's fine. You're going to make us do this where, where nobody's playing. Right. I can't well, imagine that would happen. 1,600 would 1600 and something players can't agree on anything. They've had strikes that's before. True. And Joe Montana and Reggie White and everybody else crossed the picket line. That was the end of the strike. They created scab games for Christ, for God's sakes. You know, I mean, it was it just it, it. They they can't agree and they won't agree, and you'll see a lot of pushback from the union on this. But and there's some debate as to whether the NFL can unilaterally just decide this is our policy and, and the players have to have to abide by it. You know, but they're you having said something interesting. You said something interesting though, Rick, it, that by forcing the players to to do this, it may take the onus off of the players in a way. I think it does. Yeah. I think because I, I really believe, I mean, you know, everybody everybody was told a couple of weeks ago when we were in Minnesota, you know, in meetings with ownerships. And, and, and at the time, the Glazers, others, other owners came out, some more strongly than others, and said, we respect our players' rights to, to peacefully protest what they perceive to be, you know, injustice or what have you. And we're unified. We're un- that was the word. It became... It was even weird because it was one of those words that didn't mean anything. It was specific to the issue at hand, but it was sort of like they were unified against Trump and what he said. You know, right. it wasn't wasn't so much about the issue of standing or not standing, but they then became unified against the president's word because he attacked the NFL. And at that time, it's one of the only things that the players in the, in the union agreed with was like, how dare you attack our league? Uh, you know, and we do really good things. We're not SOBs. But after that, you know, um, then sanity <laughs> took over and, 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 and what the business realized business of the NFL was, Hey, we can't, you know, we can't alienate and turn off at least 60 to 75% of our fan base, you know, over something like the national anthem. And I think a lot of players are conflicted by it. Like I think a lot of them would like to actually do something to help the cause, but they don't necessarily think that not standing for the national anthem is the thing to do. And then others feel like, you know, I just wish it was, it was out of my hands. And so that I, I didn't have to be the guy making that decision right. before, after every coin toss. So I think in many ways, you know, it will serve the players in that, you know, cause they're all lumped together. Right. I mean, it's like 12 guys, you know, don't stand for the national anthem. And it's like, Oh, look at the, all those NFL players. Right. I don't know how many players for the Dallas Cowboys were kneeling before all this. It seemed like Jerry Jones is grandstanding a little bit to me that uh, I, di- I didn't notice that there was. And again, there may have been three or four guys who did it. I don't know. I don't but know that it, there was. But well, look, ask yourself this. Where do they play? They, well, they play in Dallas, a very conservative part of the country. I mean, doesn't sure. that matter? Yeah, what, sure. And who Amer- has, which Americans. team has they're which Americans. team has the most players who did not stand last week? San Francisco, right? Bingo. What state yeah. is that in? Yeah, California. It's a very liberal. You know, where state. did it all begin? Very liberal city. Colin yeah. Kaepernick. San Francisco. Kaepernick. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think? Where, of did, Pence? Mike, where Mike? did Mike Pence go to the game? Yeah, Indianapolis. Did that he have any? Me, did he have any was, idea that, that they was were playing great. the 49ers? or did he just show up and Absolutely. go? Oh, so we got the statue, the, the 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 retirement number in it. Hey, wait a minute. You guys are playing the Niners. I when did this just think if Mike Pence had let it go and if Donald Trump had let it go and Jerry Jones had let it go, we wouldn't be having these discussions right now. There might be a handful of players doing it, but I think most – it was down to like 10 or 12 players before Donald Trump made an issue of it back three weeks ago or whenever Yeah, but well, let me ask you, did, did he win the issue? Well, apparently he did. 
Sure, he'll count it. You as can't a lose. You can't lose on this issue if you're on right. the side of the yeah, flag. Yeah, you wrap no yourself in the American flag. Yeah, absolutely. But this thing, it just felt like the more you tell players they shouldn't do something or can't do something, the more determined someone will be to do it. You know, it's like that's human nature. You tell me, don't do this. I'm going to do it. I, I they should have just they put, let go. What if they put behind? What if they put fines behind it? What if they put suspensions behind it? they do that then i think the i think the players union will will have every right to to fight against it but i'm with you rick that this takes the pressure off of the players it makes the issue go away and yet the players still get to keep their pride in, in a way sure it, yeah, it's out of their hands it's yeah. out of their hands they'll do they'll need to do that quick and i think that's why roger Goodell hasn't said a whole lot he's been pretty quiet on this issue at least publicly and well, that letter wasn't too they, quiet. No, it, it got out. And I, I they, they're obviously trying to formulate a plan right. so that they can players can keep their their self respect, and yet this issue mm-hmm. can go away. Find another way to, to them. Find another way to, to to make your voices heard. That's what. Right. That's what the league would like to have them do. We got uh, big baseball coming up. Uh, predictions: Cubs, Cubs, Nats, Game Four. Who you got? Who you got in that game? And then Yankees, Indians. Who you got in that game? You know what? I I think that uh, I think the Cubs are going to win this series. I I think they're going to do it in Chicago. They better do it in Chicago. There's something though about the Cubs that isn't the same. And I don't know if it was that great last year even. But one, I I'm pretty sure that you know good starting pitching can shut down their bats. We've seen that happen. You know, twice through six innings. I don't think they had hits. But the other thing is trying to get to their closer in Wade Davis. That yeah. middle relief, and they're getting they're getting longevity out of their starters who have given up almost no runs, um, and they're getting six, seven innings strong. But trying to spackle together those last few innings is a problem. So, wouldn't shock me if Washington took it, you know, to a game five. But I think I think Chicago probably closes it out. We'll see what Arietta has, and then I think Arietta re- pitches lights out. Arietta pitches lights out in that game. I believe. And then he, you know what? Take like a two-hitter in the seventh inning. I don't know what it is, except I think. The Yankees win. That I, I just feel like this is their year. It's the weirdest thing. It's like they have these, you know, all rise. Here come the judge and all this stuff going on with, with you know, the young players and, and, and Joe Girardi, you know, all but, you know, admitting he's probably not coming back. Which is but, insane to me. That's absolutely I know, right? insane I mean, to he me. could go to a World Series and they're talking about, oh, that's got to be it for Joe, right? The Mets the are Mets, already lining. The, the Mets, Mets are already so. calling them. <laughs> oh, they can't wait. Yeah, I mean that's. And I know. agree with you. They're going to win this series. They're going to beat the Cleveland. I Indians think they're going to beat. I do. They shouldn't be. There shouldn't be a game five of this series. I don't even understand right. how they're in, still alive. But the fact that they are makes me think they're going to win the game five. That's what I think too. That's what I think. Well, we'll see what happens on Wednesday. We'll be back to talk about it. Of course, we'll keep getting you ready for the Arizona Cardinals, Tampa Bay Bucks coming up this week. And have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. 